Thanks for listening to the podcast from River's Edge Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information or to gather with us on Sundays, please visit our website at respokane.org. We hope this message is impactful for you and others as we pursue the way of Jesus together. Great to be with you again. If you're new, my name is Matt, uh, and there's no better time to be a new person uh, at River's Edge uh, because today is uh, the start of our annual vision series in which we'll take four Sundays to talk about just kind of who we are as a church and, and what we believe God has for us in the coming year, where we see him leading us. And so with that, um, I'll kind of hand things over to Ray. And um, I'm, I don't really know how I can adequately introduce you, Ray, um, but uh, this is a man that uh, he's part of the leadership of a global kind of regions beyond uh, network that we're a part of, including that church you saw in Bhutan, Bhutan and um, hundreds of others now around the world that have, have joined in. And uh, we have an incredible amount of respect for him, and you've always stirred us on. Uh, toward toward uh, desiring God more and really pressing into what God has for us as a community. Um, so, uh, without further ado, let's let's give a round of applause for Ray Lowe here. Thank you very much. Always good to be with you. Um, actually, I go back a bit further than regions beyond, um, because in the uh, the very early 1980s, there was a move of God in England which was, uh, I guess, started in the 70s. We called it, or somebody called it, I think there must be somebody who's employed to call these, give names to these things, um, the Restoration Movement. Have you heard that? But it was really those who longed for God to restore his church, um, that we might be all that God wants us to be. And uh, in those early days, we never thought very much other than, God, will you restore your church to to being like it was in the, those New Testament days. Uh, we, we never it ever talked about our differences doctrinally, whether we were Calvinistic, whether we were Arminian, whether we were this or whether we were that, because basically what we believe was this, and God, unless you come and do something in your church, it doesn't matter about all the, all the, all the doctrinal issues. And, and uh, so there was a, a group of us that came together in England. Um, the leader of that group was a guy called Terry Virgo. It was called New Frontiers. And then in, in um, 2011, uh, we had several thousand churches around the globe. Uh, Terry decided to release that to a number of leaders, apostolic leaders, uh, which I was one of them. I'm the, I think the oldest one at 70-something or other. My wife's 77 today, so there we go. Um, and, uh, and, and Steve Oliver, uh, you've met Steve, haven't you? Most of you have met Steve. We had been pals for years. I was there with him initially when there was a revival um, in a place called Lesotho, which is boarding South Africa. And we just felt, hey, it's time to come together. And so we brought together what we do and, 
Um, we're very different, but we're friends and we're very complementary of one another. We drive one another mad sometimes. Um, but I think he's just left the States and he's just going off to South Africa, I think, this very weekend. So that's, that's who we are, and, it, and I am thrilled to be with you. I'm here for five and a half weeks in the Northwest because we've now got about eight churches, I think, and we're growing and we're looking to plant more. So that's who I am. I'm sort of the father, really. Um, and I don't want to hear anything about grandfathers or great-grandfathers because I'm called that as well. Matt and I have been talking very much about this Sunday, to be honest, because um, we, we, we want to be people of the Spirit. If we're not people of the Spirit, if we're not people of the Holy Spirit, uh, then we are going to be ill-equipped to do the work that God has called us to do. So we've been talking about this, and it's been a bit difficult knowing what to speak on because some of you are at Marathon, and I spent four and a half hours talking about the Holy Spirit and his works and all that sort of thing and you know, how we respond to that. Um, but I think it was a, a day or two ago, thinking very much, how do I, how do I come at this in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a fresh way again? I felt God gave me just a, a little nudge so what I'm sharing with you is not something, although there will be stuff contained obviously in it that I've ministered on for goodness knows how many years, but I want to come at it from a little bit of a different angle. And if you think I've got a bee in my bonnet, you are right. I have a real bee in my bonnet about the whole work of the Holy Spirit and, um, and the church. Um, maybe some of you can identify with this, but... Um, I was an only child. Any, any only childs here? Oh, <laughs> one. Cassie, right? Got that first time. Um, that's a word of knowledge. Um, knowledge I've already had, of course. But I've got a good memory, haven't I? Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I was an only child. We were, I was born in, in a place called Abergavenny in Wales, a beautiful mountain uh, place in in Wales, and uh, so my folk, folk, my background folks were um, yeah, Welsh people want to leave Wales. I've always wanted to get down there, but they want something better. And my mother was very ambitious and wanted to leave Wales and did, and came to London during the during the the, the Second World War. But she had great ambitions for me. I was the only child, and she put incredible pressure on me. So when I was going to take my what's called 11 plus exams, I had a bike the Christmas before in anticipation thereof. And of course I failed miserably, which had to do with the pressure. And, um, and, and you may, may identify with that, you may not even be uh, an only child, but you've known something, something of that pressure. My mother was, was lovely, sadly she died at 54, but she was well-meaning but you know what? She couldn't help me. She couldn't help me to be all that she wanted me to be. And that is true, isn't it? There can be encouragement, but you know, at the end of the day, it's got to be what you are and etc. And you know that. Some of you are uh, studying and students, you know, it comes through hard graph. She had great expectations for me, which... In those terms, I never really fulfilled as far as she was concerned. Perhaps later, yes. But I think the revelation that came to me was that God also has great expectations for us, his family. 
And that can sometimes be a pressure, can't it? Do you not feel that? Sometimes you might, even after this sermon, I hope not, I'm going to do my best not to, but you may feel, wow, hold on, that's a bit heavy. That's pressure. Can I cope with that? But the difference between my mother and God, at least one difference is this. (laughs) But God, unlike my mother, has promised us a helper, the Holy Spirit, the one who comes alongside us helps us. In fact, John, John uses a different Greek word uh, to Luke when he's writing Acts. Luke, Luke tends to emphasize the power, uh, the word from which we get dynamite, but, but John speaks of one called the paraclete, one who comes alongside, one who fortifies, encourages, strengthens, and some translators translate him as the helper. And there's lots of, there's lots of words you could use, but it's someone who is, who is committed to me fulfilling all that God wants and you, who is committed to fulfilling, helping us to fulfill all that God has for us. And um, both Matthew and Luke, they record Jesus' last words. Uh, I'm sure Jesus said much more than is recorded there, but under the leading of the Spirit, they just shared two little snippets. And really, they record what Jesus' expectations are of his church, his family, which in this context is you and I. And we, we know these verses well. In Matthew, at the end of Matthew's Gospel, um, Jesus says this to the, to the disciples as he's about to leave them for glory. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, so you must go and make all the nations into disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teach them to observe everything I have commanded you. And look, I am with you every single day even to the very end of the age. So there's a command there to us to go. And that's the expectation that God has of all of us that we go. That doesn't mean to say that we we go to other nations, but we go to whoever we hang out with. We go to our friends, we go to our family, we go to our neighbours, we go to our college students, We, we go wherever we are. In other words, we are... We are the, the, yeah, the ambassadors, the witnesses, whatever word you want to use, of Jesus wherever we are. And that's, that is an expectation of his. So there's a, there's a command, but there's a promise to help. And let me tell you the good news, folks. There are no exceptions. Every one of us, if we've received the Spirit of God and he wants us to be filled continually with the Spirit of God, there are no exceptions. Every one of us, he will help. Because we can look at people sometimes and think, wow, what an amazing ministry. Wow, what amazing things they do. But, but we should look at that and say, wow, wonderful. Praise God for that. But there is something that God has each one of us to do and be. So there's a command, there's a promise, and then there's a statement of faith which Jesus says, and sometimes we, we look at this Great Commission and we, we, we don't get the impact of it. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me and I'm going to share that with you. So with the command to go, there is promise of presence, there is promise there of authority. 
And then in Luke, and I love Luke's Acts of the Apostles. It's an amazing, amazing story of the early church. <clears throat> and Luke records this, that Jesus is meeting with the, with the, with the disciples. It may have been the same time as, the, as Matthew. It may, may have been later or before. But um, Luke says this, that when, when, he, when they say, look, are you going to restore the kingdom at this time to Israel? He says, look, don't you worry about that. <laughs> In actual fact, that's a small thing. What my father has in mind is something much bigger than that. It's not just one little nation. He says this. He says, he says at that time, the, the, the father has placed all that under his own direct authority. What will happen, though, is that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Then you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. Again, expectation. Expectation. That is his expectation. But at the same time, with the help of the person of the Spirit. I th I, I, if you put yourself in their position at that time, that must have been daunting. Can you just imagine? These are Galileans. These, these are not over-educated people. These are not, the, these are not the bright sparks that were around at the time. These are, these are the guys that were with him for three years. Amazing training. But nevertheless, he says, I'm going. He'd said that to them before. He said, I'm going. And I can imagine, he said, we, we don't want you to go. We, we would prefer it if you stayed. He said, if I don't go, the other, the other one won't come. The other one's the Holy Spirit. And so I've got to go. So that he can come. And now Jesus is telling them, wait, because the Father is going to send the Spirit. I can just imagine Peter. It's not there, but if I was writing mine, I would, say, I would, I would have Peter say, just hold on a minute. What if, what if we're not up to it? I could have said that to my mum. What if we're not up to it, Lord? I think Jesus would have said, no plan B. It's you. Just look at one another for a moment. No plan B. It's you. You're the family. You're his church. You're his ecclesia. No plan B. So, so that's, that is daunting. But the promise of his presence and his power is what changes it from being daunting into a, an amazing life adventure. I'm 76 years of age, if you hadn't worked it out. And I got saved at 19 because I went to a, the wrong meeting. I went to a trade union meeting, ended up in a Christian union meeting, and nothing was the same after that. Okay, so, so it was just a mistake, but a wonderful mistake of election. And God got me. And since then, it's been an amazing. There's been challenges. There's been difficulties. There's been a lot of sadness at times. We lost a boy along the way somewhere. But nevertheless, the promise, an adventure with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's no plan B. So the same expectations were on those early apostles, those early disciples, those earlier followed Jesus. The same expectations are on us, but the good news is that help is available. As John puts it, he says, God chose us and appointed us to bear fruit, good fruit, good fruit that will remain.
So let's just, let's just have a look, first of all, of this person of the Holy Spirit and how he helps us. Okay? Uh, how we're empowered by the Spirit. Remember John the Baptist when he was the forerunner of Jesus and proclaiming the, the coming one, the Messiah, he said this familiar words, I baptize with water, but he will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. And of course, fire is a symbol of power and of the Holy Spirit. It's interesting, isn't it? As you follow through Luke's narrative, particularly of, of uh, the, uh, the travels of, of Paul, Paul arrives at Ephesus. If you know anything about Ephesus, it was one of the most pagan, immoral cities, worshipping Artemis, uh, the goddess of love. There were thousands of temples there where you went and engaged with all cultic prostitutes and all sorts of terrible things which we're not even going to go into. But it, he, it was not the place you would choose to plant a church. In fact, Paul had been there previously. It had little success, but somehow he didn't think this is... So he left, and they said, are you going to come back? He said, well, no, God wills. And God did will, sent him back. And God sent him back to, to, to impact that city. And we know in two and a quarter years there were riots in that city because of the church of Jesus Christ, because it was affecting so much the community. And when Paul arrives and uh, this, this little Christian community that was there cared for by this wonderful couple, Aquila and Priscilla, and Apollos had been there, great teacher. And then he, he gathers this, it says 12, there were, there were 12 men. I, I think that means 12 heads of family. So it's probably a church of about 50, 50 or 60. And Paul says to them, you know, did you receive the Spirit when you believed? And they said, well, we're not really sure about the Spirit. They were ignorant about the Spirit. How many of us? were ignorant about the Spirit. I was. I got saved. Didn't hear anything about the Holy Spirit. It was only a couple of years later, I began to hear what was going on in what's now been called the charismatic. I thought, wow, <laughs> my goodness, I need some of that. I got hungry. I hope you're hungry for God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so Paul says, right, he baptizes them in water. I don't know why. They've already been baptized in water. I don't know why he does it again. He doesn't explain. But he lays his hands on them and they receive the baptism, the infilling. I don't care what terminology you use. The scriptures use a number. But they receive this, this, this encounter with Jesus that empowers them now to do the works that Jesus has prepared for them. And it says they speak in tongues, which was seemed to be certainly then has been in this charismatic age, uh, uh, an accompaniment of this baptism with the Holy Spirit. I thank God. I'm like Paul. I thank God for the gift of tongues. I can say with him, I speak tongue, in tongues probably more than most. And I I'll may I'll make explain that if we, if we have time. But hey, we, we want to we embrace all Scripture. Let's not be selective with Scripture. Let's embrace all Scripture. And so they speak in tongues. They begin to prophesy. They begin to speak the mighty works of God. Perhaps they were prophesying of what God would do in that city. We don't know. All we know is this, that from there on, Paul knows he's got a spirit-filled community. Maybe only 50 or 60 but here is a community. See, Paul was a great apostle, but that's all he was. He couldn't do the job on his own. No one can. No one can. It's the church. It's the body. And that's a, that, the body of Christ is a doctrine that's been so neglected that each one of us, there's no super saints. There's just saints. That's who we are. 
to the saints. To the saints in Spokane. Now Paul has this community. Expectation. I was in China. I'm trying to, I was trying to think how many years ago I was in China. We had a couple in the church that... Um, <laughs> In some strange way, they got into China. They, I'd always, Dave was a scientist. He'd done science and uh, worked for a pharmaceutical company. And I was always saying to Dave, Dave, you've got a call in your life. And uh, I need pastors, planted churches. I need leaders. And he said, no, it's just not for me, Ray. And then one day, it was, a, it was New Year's Sunday, and we had a couple, a German couple, turn up from China who were teaching English. How weird is that? That's the truth. But their son had got very, very ill with dysentery and it was, it was touch and go. They had to come home. And they shared their testimony and that was it. And then afterwards, Dave came to me and said, we're going to China. I said, what do you mean you're going to China? God spoke, we're going to China. So for the next year or so, he learned, they learned two dialects and they piled up with some people called Teachers for China, which was basically a front to get missionaries into China. And they, were, and, and they would welcome um, English-speaking teachers because they needed to learn the technology, their scientists. And so I visited them. There have been several years there. I visited them and, um, in a place called Canton, which is not far from Hong Kong. And um, later they, they went to be with the Uyghur people, which was right on the steps of Russia. And I was in their house, and they were getting, they were getting dinner together. And, and it was very basic, believe you me, open fire, that sort of stuff. I thought, I just I love these people that do this sort of stuff. And they said, look, there's a young lady in the other room. And he said, really, this is the story. We took over from another couple, and she came and saw us and said... My, my previous teachers, they were teaching me English from this book, and it was the Bible. Would you carry that on? And so they said, yeah, we'd love to do that. And she'd come to Christ. And he said, Ray, would you mind going in there? We're now beginning to teach her on the Holy Spirit. Cause she, so could you go through Acts 1 and 2? So I'm going through Acts 1 and 2, and she spoke perfect, perfect English. And then all of a sudden, she starts going off into Chinese. And I can't, I can't make heads or tail of this. So I went into Dave and I said, Dave, can you just come and help me a bit? I think she's gone off into Chinese. And, I, and we came in he said, no, she's speaking in tongues. I said, wow, how amazing. Now, if it was only that easy for us Westerners, folks. You know why? Because she had an expectation. And it was this, basically that what the scriptures say they mean and, sh and will happen. That's called faith. The problem with us Westerners is this. Everything is ruled by the mind, the intellect. You may not have been very well educated. I don't suppose there are many like that here. But, but we are intellectual. Everything comes in. Her, for her, she was learning about the Bible. She knew the, the God who wrote the Bible. She knew there was a Holy Spirit who inspired it to be written. So she expected that when she heard something that was applicable to her, then she could embrace it. And I remember going away from that meeting and thinking, wow, if it was only so easy that we can just embrace, we can receive by faith. But faith, folks, that's the way it comes. That's the way it comes. Everything comes that way. We receive 
through faith. And it was a good experience for me to see that and to, and, uh, to embrace that. So I want to I share two areas of how the Holy Spirit helps and empowers us. And the first one is in our everyday lives. Whatever we do, whether you're a student, we've got a whole row of students there, lovely people. I met them this morning. Cassie introduced me to all her friends. Three or four of them are her boyfriends, I think. And uh, she hadn't made a choice yet, but she's getting round to it. Okay. No words of knowledge there, Cassie. It's all right. But whether you're a mum or a dad, whether, you st- whether you're a stay-at-home mum caring for kids like some of you do, and that's, that's a hard work at times, all times. Whether you're a husband meeting a demanding, doing a demanding job and coming home late at night pretty tired. Or whether you're a church leader caring for a Christian community. Or whether you're just a retired couple enjoying these latter lives, these years uh, with each other. This applies to, to all of us, wherever we are. For me, my life after school, after I left school at 18, was a law office. Um, that, meant law sc- that meant work, meant law school most evenings. And the growing young family and trying to play sport as well. Um, that was part of my life, big part of my life. Um, and, and obviously serving in the local church. Most of us, we have busy lives, don't we? So how, does, how are we going to fit all this stuff in? How can, how, how can we be part of, the, of God's answer in a world when we're so busy and struggling ourselves? But by the end of my 20s, I was, uh, I was in charge of a, of a, of a law office for the firm that I worked for, and I had some staff, and I had two secretaries that um, um, uh, worked for me, assisted me, and one of them was a, was a new secretary called Margaret. I didn't know anything about Margaret. She was a very attractive young lady. She'd been married for a couple of years. That's about all I knew of her, and we, we'd been working together for, a, I guess, about a month, and then one day, she's taking dictation. She said to me, Mr. Lowe, I've been warned about you. I know what you're thinking now. It's naughty. I've been warned about you. I said, oh, have you? So what have you been warned about me? Well, I was told you're going to talk to me about Jesus, but you haven't. Why? I said, Margaret, we're here to do work. She said, well, I'd quite like to know. So we didn't do any work for an hour or so. And I just shared the Lord Jesus with Margaret. I knew nothing of her background at all. And... uh, Margaret went home that night, it was a Friday, and Margaret always bought food, because she lived in a, a little village called Biggin Hill. There was only about 5,000 people living there. There was one main road going through. All the rest were sort of um, unmade roads. It was a very agricultural area. And she got the bus, and she, so she always left with this trolley she pulled along, but it was really heavy. She needed someone to help her get it on the bus and someone to help her get it off the bus the other end. And that was always a bit of a challenge. And uh, after I'd shared with her, she'd, she'd gone home, she got this bus, and she was, and, and then she looked for someone, this is her story later, she looked for someone to help her get off the bus, and there wasn't anybody. And then she said, all of a sudden, a black man helped her. And she said, there, there are no black people living in Biggin Hill. It was quite a racist area, to be honest. But there were no black people there. And he took her back and said, I will take your load. She walked up the road, and she met with Jesus. And he said, Margaret, I've taken your load. She went home. Now, her and her husband 
were fairly estranged, Brian. And, and uh, well, Brian got his dinner that night. And a little later on, he got more of what he hadn't had for quite a long time. There was, there was intimacy. And Brian said, Margaret, what's happened to you? And she said, Brian, I met Jesus. And he must have thought, well, it's not doing me any harm. <laughs> she made a phone call. I went up and I took my youngest daughter with me. I thought, I'm, gonna, I'm not sure what I'm going to encounter here. Led him to the Lord. It was easy. I was chosen and appointed to bear fruit, good fruit. And the Holy Spirit is the one who helps us and makes it possible. Later on, as a Baptist pastor, I left the law. Church had grown too much that I was leading. So I left the law, then I powered up with Terry Virgo with New Frontiers. Um, but every morning I would go out running. You've got parks here. I would run. Um, I, I don't just like running. I would have to compete with myself. I'd do all sorts of sit-ups, press-ups and times and things like that. But there were lots of people walking their dogs. And there was always an old lady walking a dog. Well, she couldn't quite walk in a dog because she couldn't walk. <laughs> so she had one of these little machines and the little poodle sort of poodled along behind. And uh, I used to sit down on the park bench and just, just talk with her sometimes. No, just chewing the... Chewing the fat with her, chewing the nothing particularly. But just one, one, one morning, she used to call me the nice young Baptist pastor. She's always the nice young Baptist pastor. And I said, hey, look, I don't want to be rude, but why can't you walk? And she told me of something, some illness and something. And she was pretty old, to be honest. She might have been younger than I am now, but she looked old at the time. <laughs> I said to her, hey, how about I pray with you? She said, that'd be great. I prayed with her and... And she, she obviously clearly came to the Lord because I disappeared for a while and she attended our church. She, she didn't attend for long because she died. But one morning, three weeks after I prayed with her, I saw her walking down our main road. I said, what are you doing? She said, you pray for me. No one was more surprised than me. <laughs> I didn't have the expectation. I had a bit of faith. But you know, you don't need a lot. Do you? You don't need a lot. It's just the launching out. It's getting used to this lifestyle of believing that actually what the Bible says is true. That he has appointed you. What's your name? That's Cassie there. What's yours? Sheila. Sheila. Sheila that God has appointed. You said it almost like an Australian. They do say Sheila, don't they, a lot. Almost. That God has appointed you, chosen you, elected you if you're a good Calvinist. To do what? Bear fruit. Good fruit. Fruit that will remain. This is the lifestyle that we're called to. But you know what? We just think, That's, this is tough. But we have a helper. The third person of the Trinity. Who's both the parakletos and the pneumatos. He's the one who comes alongside. But he's the one who empowers us. could tell you a lifestyle, a lifetime of stories like this, but it wouldn't be boasting. 
It's just, I discovered something very early on in my early Christian days. This is what, this is what John recalls Jesus as saying. Uh, before I read this, who trusts in Jesus here? Let me just have a show of hands. Who trusts in Jesus? Actually, I can't see you all because of this. So, but there's quite a few hands there. Okay, so this is a verse for you. I'm telling you the solemn truth, said Jesus. Anyone who trusts in me, or some translations, anyone who has faith in me, will also do the works that I'm doing. Wow. That's amazing, isn't it? What were the works that he did? Well, he did loads of works, didn't he? He had compassion, he showed mercy, he healed, he delivered, he raised, he fed multitudes, he walked on water, he even turned 144 gallons of water into the best wine that the world's ever produced. That's something, isn't it? So he, all the works that he did, he's saying here, these works you will do, but even more so because I'm going to the Father. What a, what a, what a daunting challenge but it's a promise, it's a statement of fact that that's what we, we will do. So how does this work? You see, what the Holy Spirit wants to do with us is make us as sensitive to his promptings as Jesus was. Because see, Jesus in his humanity, it says that there were times he healed because the Spirit was present. What does that mean? He was sensitive to the promptings of the Spirit. When he, when he, when he, when, when he went out with the disciples, do you think in the morning he knew he was going to meet that woman of Samaria at the well and all that was going to take place? No, of course he didn't. If he did, then well, we've got, no, we, we, we got no hope. But the life he lived by the Spirit, that we are collectively, not individually, collectively the sum total will be that we will live the life that he lived, although there will be struggles just like there was for him. So how does this thing work? Most days we meet people in need. Would that be true? Most, most days we meet or hear of people who have difficulties, have illnesses, some that are terminal. We met a, um, we played golf with a guy, a friend the other day, and his wife at this moment in time has terminal cancer. What does that do? It hurts. We feel it, don't we? That's what happened with Jesus. He felt moved with compassion. And so what happens when we meet someone? Um, we're at a queue in a supermarket. And you see one of your neighbors. And she looks down. And you, because you're a nice American people, you're much more friendlier than us English. We're, we're much more conservative than you. But you'll say, hey! You're looking a bit glum. Hey, what's the problem? Well, well, my kid's seriously ill. We think it's leukemia. Now, in that moment that she says that, something happens down here. It's, it's in your gut. The Jews called it the bowels of mercy. In other words, it's a movement. It's a spirit movement, though. But then you've got to do something with it. So that's got to move up here, and it's got to come out of the mouth with words that don't need to be theologically deep. They just need to be, wow, I am so sorry. But, hey, look, I'm a Christian. 
can we have a coffee or something? Can I just, share? I'd love to share with We've got a prayer group at our church. Can we pray for you? Do you mind? And, and as you know, most times people will say, please. <laughs> and that's the beginning of something. Let me tell you this. Whenever you touch people for God, whenever you pray with them, you know, you might not always get what you pray for, but you bring God into their orbit. You bring God into their lives. I've, I've prayed with people who have not been healed of stuff, but, but that God has come into their lives and they've come through to faith. Some of, them, some of them haven't lived that long because there's been some serious illnesses. Others have been healed. But we are here to be his credible witnesses. That, that's the call on our lives. And so this is, this, is, this is how it works. And sometimes I find myself in situations where out of the blue, God will just tell me to do something or I sense it. I was um, having a meal, I think Christmas before last, uh, in a French restaurant. We have a house down in France, um, right down in the south where the sun shines. And we're in this restaurant. There was only one open on a Monday night. It was January. It was cold. The food was terrible, and the price was exorbitant. So I was not a happy bunny. And I had to go and pay this bill, and the guy was like this. He was bent over and double, and I just felt the Lord say, pray for him. Oh, no, I don't want to do that. He won't even give me a discount if I do. <laughs> I pray for this guy. Now, the restaurant was full, and uh, I just said to him in my French, which is enough to get away with, you're sick, can I pray for you? And I pray for him. And all of a sudden, Monsieur, Monsieur, c'est bon, c'est bon, c'est bon. Oh, God, you turned up again. You healed him. I didn't get a discount. Now, look, look, what was all that about? Seriously, what was all that about? Did I lead a revival in that restaurant? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. We don't have to worry about what God does with it. All we have to worry about is responding and let God do what he will do. Now, this sort of stuff happens to me all the time. I have my own personal track. I get involved with people on planes and trains and what have you and restaurants and that. And I chat with them and I say, just, just, just read this then. Tell you all about my story. Now that's, that's the work of the Holy Spirit, our helper. So out there, our everyday life, hey, that's who we are to be. Let me tell you this. Once you get the ball rolling, it's amazing how things come together. Okay, it's a bit like walking. When my eldest daughter Rachel began to walk, she fell on her nose and uh, she didn't do too well at first. I didn't say, oh, forget it, you're never going to walk. <laughs> that would be stupid. So why do we do it to ourselves? Why do we think, oh, I'm going to do that and then it doesn't work and you, you say, oh, no, blah, fed up with that. No, no, we, we keep going. We keep going. If God prompts you to give money to someone, even if you got it wrong, they'll never complain. I'm serious. Making mistakes is not a problem with God. He don't mind mistakes. He just, he just doesn't like unbelief. It hindered him in Nazareth. So, and it hinders, it hinders us in our walk with him. But when we come together like this, okay, when we come together like this, and Matt knows I'm going to share this, and it's going to put more pressure on him than anybody else, so don't worry about it. But when we come together, first of all, our focus when we come to worship is on God, isn't it? And our, our songs should be full of rich Christology. Not our needs, 
I, I, I've got to be honest with you. I went to a church, I won't tell you where it was, but it was over here, and um, they didn't have a worship band, and they were just like, and it just by chance, I'd, I'd only t- turned up the day before, and my wife and I were with them, and uh, they, I said, you, you know, have you got a band? No, no, we've only got, we put it up, you know, we sing to music. She said, would you like to see the songs we're going to sing? I said, well, I didn't really want to, to be honest. I was thinking more about what I was going to do. So she did, and she said, what do you think? I said, um, they're a bit weak in Christology, aren't they? Not much about Jesus. It's all about me and my needs. I don't think that's worship. Do you know what she did? She stayed up half the night, that lady, and found some new songs. That's humility. My wife looked at me as if to say, we've only been here a day. Do you have to do that? (laughs) Well, yes, we do. We have to help one another with these things. Because we want to build church, don't we? We want to get it the best it can possibly be. So when we come together, our focus must be on Jesus. But, but you know, that's, that's only part of worship because the other part is the one another. Because God has given us the gifts by the Holy Spirit that, that we, where we edify, build up, encourage, equip one another. Now, we know Paul's letter to Corinth. Corinth was a church which had... I'm reading through one and two Corinthians at the moment, I think for the second time. Um, God, dear, the problems that church had. But Paul loved that church. But he says to them, you are rich in spiritual gifts. Um, Their problem was they were just immature and still battling to shake off the sinful city which they lived in. But he loved them to bits. So he, he brought correction in order they may become mature and have impact on that city. So they weren't a headache to him. He just loved them. But he writes to them, and I just want to read, read to you from 1 Corinthians 12 and then a, a little bit, I think, from 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 12, um, you probably won't have my version. It's N.T. Wright's translation of the New Testament that I would highly recommend to you, uh, one, of, one, one leading theologian these days. And, he, and Paul is, is getting, getting them to understand that when God gives us gifts, they're not, they're not playthings for charismatic meetings or things to be neglected because others do, do play around with them. Okay? This is what he says. Now, about things relating to the Spirit's work, my brothers and sisters, I don't want you to remain ignorant. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led off, carried away again and again after speechless idols. So I want to make it clear to you that nobody who is speaking by God, Spirit, ever says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are different types of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different types of service, but the same Lord. And there are different types of activity, but it is the same God who operates all of them in everyone. Everyone. Notice that. Everyone. Every member of the body. The point of the Spirit being revealed in each one is so that we may all benefit One person is given a word of wisdom through the Spirit. Another, a word of knowledge by the same Spirit. Another, faith through the same Spirit. Another, gift of healing by the one Spirit. Another, the working of mighty deeds or miracles. 
another prophecy, another the ability to distinguish spirits, another various gifts of languages, another the interpretation of those languages. It is the one spirit, the same spirit, whose work produces all these things, and the spirit gives different gifts to each one. Every one of us. We've received Jesus, received his spirit. To each one he gives gifts in accordance with the Spirit's own wishes. We can desire spiritual gifts, and we're told to desire spiritual gifts, especially that we might prophesy. But it's him that gives. But folks, he wants to give. He wants a Spirit-empowered church. He wants us to edify one another. Why? Because he wants us out there in the world, strengthened, edified, encouraged, and doing the works that Jesus did. So... These, these gifts are important to us. So what, what did Paul expect or bring to them in order to correct them when they came together? So I believe Scripture is good for all time, don't you? Come on, I'm going to catch you now. Let's get you. Okay, when you come together, the church of Spokane, one person has a psalm, another has some teaching, another a revelation, Another, a tongue. Another, interpretation. Let everything be done for the general upbuilding. If anyone speaks in a tongue, there should be two or, two or three at most, each taking their turn, and one of them should put it into plain speech. But if none of them can do that, let them be silent in the assembly and speak to themselves and to God. As for prophets, or those who prophesy, let two or three speak, and the others evaluate what is said. If fresh revelation comes to someone sitting there, the first person should be silent. You can all prophesy one by one, so that everyone can learn and everyone can be encouraged. The spirits of the prophets are under the control of the prophets. In other words, I, I have... The, um, the spirit is never going to take control of me. It's a gift he's given me to, to learn how to use and control. The spirit of the prophets is under the control of the prophets since God is the God, not of chaos, but of peace. So when we come together in our worship, we worship Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but we edify one another with the gifts that we have been given. That's the expectation of Scripture. That wasn't just prevalent for Corinth. This is for the church. So why, why is the church so weak? So often. Why do, we, why do we fail so often? It's because we're not equipped. We're not. Just, just someone sharing a story and just coming to the front and saying, I just want to share with you the faithfulness of God and telling a story about a neighbor or in your home group or whatever. And do you know what it does? It releases faith. You think, wow. She did that. Well, I could do that then. Yeah, you can, by the same spirit. So this is, seems to me, this is, this is New Testament. This is New Testament worship. When we come together, we worship God and we edify one another. And the body is more equipped and it grows into maturity. Sadly, as you, some of you were at my... Um, 300 years early church. It wasn't very long before the charismata was lost. Mid-second century, 
as the church battled with the Gnostic heresy. It won the battle, but it paid a dreadful, dreadful price. And we lost all those itinerant ministries, and we lost the gifts of the Spirit. Praise God, there are times when God keeps breaking through. But we don't want him to have to keep breaking through. We want us to break through instead. If we only sing worship songs, even good songs to Jesus, we're not fulfilling God's complete expectation. In base, plain language, folks, we shortchange one another and him. Is that palatable? It's not palatable, is it? But it's true. He wants us to be a glorious, functioning body, each one of us building up one another. And it's a leadership responsibility. Leadership has to lead us in. When I took on the church at this little place called Biggin Hill, where Margaret came from, because what happened, we visited Biggin Hill, trying to lead, link her up with the church. There was a little Baptist church there, 30 people, about 15 were saved. The other were very liberal. And, uh, and uh, my firm decided that they're going to send me to open a, a branch office there. So, and so through Margaret getting saved, I got into Biggin Hill. Eventually, after four years, I left. I left the law because the church had grown considerably. We were planting other churches. Why? Because I decided I would build a functioning body. Allah, 1 Corinthians. And that church grew and expanded and planted churches. And out of that came uh, something that was still there to this day. And that's what God wants us to do. But it's a leadership responsibility. So it was my responsibility. I led the church in that way. It wasn't always easy, but I would stand at the front. I would teach them. I'd teach them how to speak in tongues. I'd teach them how to prophesy. Well, you were here last year. I called Annie out. Do you remember? Yes? Annie came. I said, Annie, come and prophesy for us. She said, I've never prophesied. I said, of course you have. She started laughing. I said, don't you ever hear anything from God? Doesn't God... Oh, yes. And you remember some of you that were here, she shared how she had to grapple with the breakdown of a relationship. And wow, I mean, it was amazing. We were crying. And then I said, anybody edified? We were edified because she was sharing what God had done in her life. And how he had, I remember her saying, she said to God, if you want me to be celibate, I will serve you and be celibate. And I'm thinking, wow, this is amazing. This was, this was speaking forth what God had said. That's where we begin. And out of that can come all sorts of things. I'm going to finish there. But we're going to do some praying for those of you that want some prayer. So I think we're going to sing a song. We usually do that. I just want to say this. Uh, last year we had, a, we had a conference in Regions Beyond. And um, um, I wasn't speaking. Um, we got a lot of youngsters that were training up, so we thought we'd let them loose. But the one who was going to speak on miracles and healing got sick, which was not a good... Uh, he's still living it down. So at the last minute, I shared on uh, miracles, healing, the Holy Spirit, some of the stuff I've shared with you, but um, lots more examples. And then God spoke to me early on about impartation, that there's an impartation that comes through prayer and the laying on of hands, and at the end, one of the guys stood up and said, well, let's, have, let's, 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 let's come forward. I tell you what, they were running. I've never seen that before. 
There is a hunger in the body of Christ these days to do the works that Jesus did because we, we want to reach the world. We're not going to reach the world with, just with our intellectual arguments. We're not going to do that, folks. There's got to be a demonstration of the Spirit. Paul said, I did not come to you with persuasive words. I came to you in the power of the Spirit. So I would love to pray for some of you this morning. Not because I'm special, and because I'm not special. My wife will tell you that, even on her birthday. I'm not special, but I do have some faith when it comes to this stuff. And there's others that have faith for this. So what I suggest we do, we're going to sing a song. And for those of you that want prayer, that you come. For those of you that, that feel, no, that's, this is not for me this morning, can I just, is there food or something out the back? I suggest you go and get food, because I don't want spectators, cause, and you don't want to be spectators either. So that we just pray. If there's only a few, it doesn't really matter. That won't disappoint me, because this has to do with, 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 with the prompting of God here. But I really do want to pray for some of you this morning. And we've got, the t- we've got a prayer team here anyway. That they're they're going to get into this as well. So, Father, we thank you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we worship you. We thank you for our salvation. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the gifts that you bring to us. We thank you for your church. And Lord, we thank you for this world out there that you've challenged us to go and just reach with all the resources that you've put available to us. We want to thank you this morning. And we want to say, Lord, we are your people. Show us what you want to do and lead us to the people this week and other weeks that you want us to be involved with that their lives may be enriched by knowing you and be a part of your family as well and Lord that's what we want for this place and we thank you Lord for just all the other churches worldwide we're part of that we can pray for visit and help and give money to we're so thrilled to be caught up Lord, in your global, eternal purposes. So we pray now as we begin to pray with people. Holy Spirit, you come and just touch people. Lord, we're not looking for antics. We're not looking for strange, weird things. We're looking for an authentic expression of the Spirit's life in this church and in our lives, Lord Jesus. So we ask that for you. Lord, in your own wonderful name, amen.